a little bit of a side note or pretext. I do not understand what it means to have an entire country treat me differently because of the people who came before me. I do not understand that. While I do very much understand what it means to be treated differently because of who I am as a female, I don't at all understand what it's like to be violently oppressed by people. And I just really need to emphasize that as much goodness uh, came from this episode while I was listening to it, I recognized that it's slightly problematic and I just want to open up the conversation by saying that I I don't understand and that to bring just a, a space around that and to to set that as the forefront. Hello, welcome back to Great Minds Think Alike slash part of the solution. All right, so today we're going to be part of the solution and here's how we're going to do it. You see, I heard recently that A.O. Scott, that he actually resigned from the New York Times as the film critic. And he did it because he talked about the homogenization of films. And now I'm sure that he had many, many reasons to do so. You can't, you might want to be something else in a lifetime than one role and you can have as many roles as you want. But let's talk about that, that statement for a second, the homogenization of films, because I think it's really important and valuable to talk about. I, by the grace of God, have been able to get away from all of that because I live in a home that has cable and we have... And I choose not to use Netflix or any online streaming. Okay, so today's episode is about some epic films that I've seen recently. Truly went into the depths of my being. That just shook me. It really got to my the meat of myself. It's called King Richard. This film is absolutely brilliant. I was blown away. I had no idea. So I just come home. For my trip and I pressed play and I was just in awe because King Richard is actually it's about the journey of Richard Williams, Venus and Serena Williams as well as their entire family to bring Serena and Venus into the fullness of their potential and it is the most brilliant film about what it means to be a father about what it means to to fight for someone, about what it means to be faced with constant adversity and to keep going anyways. And, and to believe in yourself and believe in a plan. The truth is that a lot of times the timeline is going to be really, really different from what we think, but we can still believe. We can still persist and we can still hold on to what we know because the only way the only way anyone has ever accomplished something is by not giving up. I remember uh, one of my favorite podcasters, Kathy Heller, 
she talked about being on a panel of songwriters and someone asking, you know, like, how are you where you are? And they said to her, because we're still here. And it's just like, that cannot be stated enough. You have to continue, have to continue, have to continue. You have to persist no matter what. And if you want something, if you believe in yourself, the only way you win is by continuing. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. Failure is just information. Failure, the only way that we know where to go is by rolling the ball. When you roll the ball and you get information, you see, okay, when I rolled the ball, there was something there, so I can't go there. I have to go around that. When I roll the ball, I have to go there, now there. But you see, we have this thing where we think there's this one way, this one path, this one way to get somewhere, that there's this system, that there's, okay, we got to do it like this and this, and I don't do it like this, and I, whatever. But the truth is that every single person who's ever even charted that path had no idea what they were doing. And the only thing that is consistent is that they just kept going is that they kept looking for avenues. And then it made it look like from hindsight, because everyone likes to focus on success, it made it look like a straight shot. But the truth is that it was very windy and very start and stop. And there's always going to be, as soon as you get to that place of looking like a miraculous player, a miraculous person, a miraculous, all those things, you have to understand that that piece is a practice, practicing becoming that. And I just want to say that for this next generation who I think that they understand that in some ways, but on the other hand of it, 90 second practice is not the same as three hours of singing for three shows per city. That kind of thing comes from, and I think that at the beginning she did it kind of quietly, you know, Taylor Swift, she did not like at the beginning, she just, She knew what she wanted and she went after it. And that doesn't mean that she was faced by people who were like, wow, you're amazing. Like, let's go. No, people were like, I don't know. Like, I don't even think you're ready for this. Like, it's just like, fuck you. And then she just kept going. And see, everyone says like, now they're like, but how is she doing this? Like, how is she? She's doing it because she's done it for however many years. I don't know. She started like 16 probably. And now she's... 31 or 32. So she's been doing it for 16 years. A lot of times I think that I, I've been guilty of being envious of a certain musician that I met. And I know that people who went to school with him have also been guilty of being jealous of him. But the truth is that I know this particular musician, he does not stop. He is a freaking fighter. And he has been probably practicing the way that he continues to practice since he was about, mm, I would say, five years old. So if he's now 31, then 30 or 30, yeah, 31 minus five is what, 26 years, 26 years. And it's so easy to be like, oh, like, like, especially for music and, and acting, I think, but music, especially people have this tendency to believe that you have to to get it right and then rise into fame at a certain time period and blah 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 no the truth of that is that you do have to put in as many years as it takes for focus and practice as that person who got into fame so 26 years 
So don't worry about if you're just starting now. Julia Cameron has this beautiful, beautiful thing. And someone says like, if I started that now, if I went after that dream now, do you know how old I would be by the time I finally made it? She said, yeah, the same age that you would be if you never did. Okay, so a little food for thought. All right, so this episode, this film that I watched, I felt the need to have this conversation with another person. I felt like it just needed to be opened up. And that's the whole point of this show. Subjects need another person, if not 20, 30, 40, hundreds, thousands, in order to really get the glory and the focus and the attention and the depth that they deserve and that are present there for us all to learn from. So today's conversation is with a dear friend of mine who I met at Berkeley College of Music. I did not technically attend Berkeley, although at one point I seriously considered transferring. However, I spent a really wonderful amount of time in that area, just basically soaking up every possible thing I could from it without actually attending. It was a marvelous experience, but this friend and I, we just get into it today, and I'm so excited for you to learn and listen to what comes up. He is just such a brilliant person, so such a genius and a wise soul, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. Give it up for Max Taroli. Hey, okay. hey. Hi. What's up? Um, all right. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, okay. We were talking a little bit about our stories. Recently, I watched this, a movie called King Richard. And it's about um, Richard Williams was serena and venus's father and the movie is about their like rise to championship status but it's crazy because i didn't know but like their rise to fame actually was like birthed by this man it was like their father and he said in the beginning part of the movie he said um now I had Venus and Serena's life planned out for them even before they were born. Wow. That's, was it like back in, was it medieval times? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. What? <laughs> because of the time. <laughs> Wait, I think, yeah. you know who they are, right? The Serena King... and Venus Williams? No, I don't, I'm not. Wow. No, I'm just. Wait a second. I'm just trying to make connections. Oh. Serena and Venus Williams, yeah. No, I don't. I'm yeah. Really? Forgive me for now. I'm not. That's okay. That's okay. That's a, interesting, huh? So they're I mean, not. This is they're not that, like different stories resonate with people. Like there's so many realms of stories out there, and you know, like I might have heard as a kid this, and I latched onto it because it affected me. But like maybe there's other people that that happened for you and you'd be like I can't believe you don't know who that is like 
right? Like, <laughs> yeah. so many, like but is so I'm curious, is that is that like a is that a like a story like in a book that that you read growing up? The Oh Venus no and um, Williams. So okay, Venus and Serena are they made it to Wimbledon and so okay, the the power of the story is that um their father I guess I think he planned specifically to overturn and have their African-American they're from Compton and tennis is like super white and like super rich people sport and he decided to to overturn that because he grew up in a time where white people and black people couldn't even touch hands and one time he accidentally touched the hand of a white man and he got beat up like really, really bad. And he oh, like man. watched his father run away and it was very intense, but it just gave him this fire and this spark to be like, that is never going to be me. And I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to turn this around. And so he chose the sport, practically almost the most impossible sport for like young black kids living in the projects to succeed at. And he chose it in order, I think, I believe it's like a divine mission to show the reality that like anything is possible, that that the universe has like specific laws that when you operate within them, anything is possible. It doesn't mean that you are in control of it all, but it means that like once you learn the laws that you can use them and work with them. So like, for example... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like setting a plan, setting a goal and like never ever turning away from it no matter what. And his for them, it, I really believe that integrity is a huge piece of success no matter like what your goal is. That like it, it lights you up, right? That it's like this thing that I like if I'm going to make a decision. So an example is in the movie, so um it takes them a long time because they don't have any money, but they need a coach. And so like he legitimately calls up these really fancy people and he like makes meetings with them and he puts on pitches. He makes videos of the girls and like sends these like kind of advertisement pitch things. Like my girls are the best, like work with them and they say no and they're really rude and they're really awful to him. Um, but he keeps going because he knows who he has with him and he knows that it's going to work. And he just is like, this is who they are. And I don't care if you can't see it, but I can. Wow. Yeah. That's the integrity mm -hmm. the, to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the integrity, what's that? Yeah. What? Is that, that's on, is that on Netflix? I think it's on that HBO, you? but HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because um wait, really quick, I have to show you something. Um yeah. Where'd they go? Oh. Oh, look at you. Uh those <laughs> skull those wait, Oh wait, is it the same? The gummies. Skull? So oh, no, they're a different company, but same color. The gu I think they're gummies, but yeah, you, My you, uh, JVC. Wow. Yep. JVC. Shut Look up. That. that is <laughs> so good. Let's go. So you've been, so you've been shopping in Rite Aid. I see. <laughs> Shut up. No. CBS. <laughs> no, that's where I'm. I don't I remember. Say. Maybe Walgreens. 
That's, that's so what I got. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'll tell you the integrity piece of the thing is that um so it's based off of their life, but um Richard actually once they get this incredible, incredible like best coach that he like finds as the best and they he takes them on and she's gotten her skill up so far that like she's better than the person who's like I think their girl's name is um well it's Jennifer or something, but Okay, so like they're, uh, I guess the trend is that like the kids are supposed to do juniors for like a couple years, which means that like while they're in school, they're going to be like competing like high level, like all the time. And he makes the decision that he wants his daughter to have an education and not worry about the the competition. And it's so like out of the realm because like they're all these parents and people and coaches are so focused on the success of their daughter or like as like a production, you know what I mean? And they don't care about like her as a person. Um, but he like goes against the grain because he like knows that once tennis is over, like what is she gonna do? Like then right like have nothing so he prioritizes that and then that's been so ingrained into her that when it comes time for her to actually compete and nike comes to them before this big match and he she he says to them this rep is like um i'm gonna offer you three million dollars and we're gonna like make a shoe out of you you're gonna be like our girl and she looks at the contract she hasn't competed yet it's been like nine years or it's been like a couple years, nine years, we'll go with nine years, um, where she didn't compete and she would have. So she ha- so people don't even know how skilled she is yet. And she looks at the contract and she's like, I haven't even competed yet. And so the guy like goes out and leaves and then they ask her like, well, do you want to do it? And she looks at it and she's like, no, I don't. And so she says no to this like $3 million contract. And then she ends up being amazing and they keep upping the price. But then finally, the last round, um, she like loses to the the best person in the world. And so like she um, at the end of it all, like she waits like nine months and she gets a Reebok contract for $14 million. Ooh, work in the game. That's like me and buying plane tickets. Yeah. <laughs> i like well i I just started looking at plane tickets and my dad was like well maybe give it a few weeks and just keep an eye on them because they they can go down you can play the game you don't like sometimes they drop and but um but no yeah that's uh sorry i didn't mean to take away from the (laughs) from the the deeperness of that but no, um, that's the same thing. It's not, it's not yeah. like it doesn't matter. That is the same. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like kind of playing the game. What, it's the law of like like the integrity. Like she didn't, it wasn't that she was necessarily playing a game so much as like it didn't feel right to her. And until it felt right, she waited till Intuitive, it felt right. Yeah. And whenever it was right, it was very right. That's great. Yeah. I like that. That's it's awesome. It's kind of like the intuitiveness of a bigger decision instead of just like saying yes to everything or no right away, just like from the cuff, just to like have an answer. That's something 
that's tricky is you'll have a better understanding soon if you just like wait a little bit yeah you can just start again <laughs> yeah that's awesome i like that so, mm. but yeah for sure no i i feel that very much it is hard to to know um i've been playing around with there's a system of thought called human design and um I am a generator on that. And so they talk about decision-making and if you're a generator that like you feel, you feel like a yes, like a hell yes. And like, like when there's something that you're like, that's for you, you feel a hell yes. And if it's, unless it's a hell yes, it's a hell no. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. They're not a, a little bit less of a gray area in that in that train of thought that can be really helpful though to i guess you'd have to like yeah if it's for you so what's what's an example of something that's for you like it it benefits your in your current intentions is that i'm just kind of guessing so actually it's you? like that a generator like i'm here to just make energy and so it doesn't really matter, but like, basically it's super crazy. It's kind of, um, what's the word? Like, okay. I'll be honest. Like it, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm glad you're asking this, but, um, let's see. So an example, I mean, it is also hard for me to wait. It's so hard for me to wait like to wait for a hell yes. Um, but when I do, I don't know if this has happened to you, but one thing I've noticed is that I pretty much all, most of the time know how something's going to go before it happens. Like an example is Nashville. Um, right before the night before I was supposed to go, I was like, mom, I am not ready for this. What am I doing? This is crazy. And she was like, well, you know, like, you can stay here and keep doing what you're doing or you can go and see how it goes. And I was in this realm of like, try everything, you know, uh, you know, I was kind of using some other people's thought patterns just to like figure myself out kind of thing. Um, and so I just, you know, went for it and, you know, it did go how I thought it was going to go. I was not ready. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's really, and, yeah. And it, yeah, it, yeah, so. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's like, instead of forcing something that you're currently, you know, have been trying to succeed with for a while to just try something different and take a risk. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think a lot of people, like I had a, that was a little bit, actually a lot of it similar to when I moved to Alaska from California my mom had a similar like I had a similar talk and the way she talked about moving to Alaska was so matter of fact like it was cutting a piece of cake and it it both frustrated me and made me think just differently like yeah I don't have to be here I've just like the thing that was tricky about leaving California is I'd planned so much before moving there um I was trying to pursue music 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I was literally yeah. exact same for me. I like thought I was ready, thought I was done with certain relationship patterns. And <laughs> it was funny because like that's what I was healing from before. And then I literally, yeah, it dove right back in like so fast. And I was like, this is great, you know. But it was, it was eye-opening and it was good because I did I'm I came back here knowing very clearly the work that I have to do. And I kind of was running away from the work to be very honest. Like I got to a really challenging spot in the work with um, the person I was working with. And I was just like, oh my God, is this really what it's going to take? Oh my God. And I don't, you know, and so my, I, I, my friend had just moved to Nashville. And so I was like, let's do it. And I did. And it was great. But yeah, it was like a little bit of a like, yeah, like there aren't any shortcuts. I'm happy that you're, you said you're, you live near family too in Texas now. Oh yeah. I'm living with my family. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's yeah, a big Yeah, I thing. lived by myself in Nashville. Oh my God, it was awful. It was so bad. Yeah. But I think it sounds like LA might have a similar culture of like, I mean, Nashville is just intoxicated constantly. And I just was like, I'm so sensitive that I pick up on that. Like I lived like a five minute walk from Broadway, which is like the realm of like, just people just come from all over just to drink and, and not be alive <laughs> for a second. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for celebrating. I'm all for celebrating and lifting, lifting it up, but like, not, (laughs) not for like choosing unconsciousness and, you know, I'm not for that. That's, that's not the way that anyone's going to feel better in their life. Yeah. That's something that stands out. I'm like every day, just like super happy to be a minute drive for my brother and his girlfriend and my, and my now nephew, uh, niece they had their first daughter uh nev and just little like yeah just family is super big and it's relieving and um for me at least yeah that's something i definitely have taken from the big move it's like i definitely want to be near family as much as i can yeah moving forward it's yeah yeah i know i'm like how am i gonna do it like I have to look because some people do it. They figure out how to build family like with friends and some people do learn how to do that. I I want to learn how to do that because I love my family, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I, I would like to, I so far have not met anyone wanting to do what I want to do. Um, like with different creative venues and I want a community, you know, around me and it's been, challenging because the I live in a college town and so everybody you know it's just younger than me um which isn't bad but I just feel a little like yeah but um no I'm glad that you were talking Um, about the there's a part in the film where Richard Williams says that the tennis parents are the ones who should be shot and it's so dramatic and so caustic, but at the same time, it really, really speaks to something very, very true. These things that are normal, that are so violent, but so quiet. Like, for example, I mean, in the film, the parents are, are dishonoring their children, are, are being 
cruel or abandoning them or denying them love, the very basic need of a child because of their performance. And we need to talk about this because I've seen something kind of similar, but different at the same time. All right. In the elite, I've noticed because I've nannied for a lot of people who have more money and I've noticed that, okay, kids need love. They need attention. They need fun. They need to explore. They need, they need security. They need boundaries for sure. But what they do not need, and I'm not saying that any parent, I'm not pinpointing any specific experience I had. I just, it's just something that needs to be said. Don't give your kids screen time. If you cannot take the time to give your kid what they need, you've got some bigger internal issues that need to be worked on. And instead of being a workaholic or instead of going out and trying to make yourself feel better by interacting with other parents who have money but are also workaholics or also have internal problems, do not go and amongst them and say, oh, like what we're doing, it's just the best we can do because it's not. It's not because you're just feeding your own self-obsession. You love your kids and, you know, you care about them deeply. And here's the thing. If you just take that to aside for a second, if you don't help them, if you don't love them, you don't pay attention to them, if you don't pay someone else to do it for you, if that doesn't happen, period, if it just doesn't happen, then later on you're going to have bigger problems and it's going to be more expensive and more time consuming. So deal with it when they're children, when they're babies. And I just say to anyone considering being a parent, like if you're stressed out, if you have not found balance in your life, you're not ready for a kid. It is just the same thing, but a greater challenge. And if you already have a kid, it's time to rearrange. Like the whole screen thing, I'm going to go in on the screen thing because children under five don't need screens. If they have screens, there's a big, big problem. You're creating addiction in their little developing brain. It is so bad for them. It is toxic. It is like no one's saying anything about it. And they are, but at the same time, it's a social norm. Like at the end of the film I just watched, which I guess we can segue into the next film, which is called We're Still Young or While We're while we're still young. So brilliant. It's the most brilliant film. The end of it is a maybe a one and a half or two year old playing with an iPhone and they're disgusted while watching. And it makes sense because the truth is that it's an addiction and we don't need to normalize addiction. We don't need to say that it's okay to be addicted. We don't have to do that. We need to get better. We need to find balance. Like addiction is suffering. It's handing your kid something poison and saying drink because I drink, but you're not even understanding how vulnerable and how formative that beautiful kid is. And if you can't handle it, you need to find a fucking way. Live in a smaller apartment and get help for you and your kids. Downsize financially so that you can heal and heal yourself. Pay for for therapy just find a way to do it. 